Hey everyone, you're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly PR recap and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter and hosted by me, Kelly Darcy. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Go ahead. Oh, so my name is Doug Ireland. Um, I come from Oakland, California, and I'm in the business of counseling young people on getting prepared for the job market. I run a business called View Launch View. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that exactly? So I worked on Wall Street for about 30 years, and one of my primary responsibilities was recruiting, specifically on the West Coast. We went to the major undergraduate and graduate programs, and I really liked it, for one thing. Loved working with young people. But I also um, I found that oft, so often, even at these high-achieving levels, the students weren't ready at all to get into the job market. Mm-hmm. They didn't prepare. They didn't know what we were looking for. They didn't know what distinguished them. And I was shocked, given the amount of money they were spending, how high achieving they were. And I thought, wow, this is something we could really help people with. Yeah, so what do you, like, I'm just going to jump into it. Yeah, go. What do you think are some of the ways that people were the least prepared? So I think, first of all, people are hung up about their majors. Mm -hmm. I am a firm believer in liberal arts. I'm a firm believer in studying what you want to study. Four-year colleges, two-year colleges, whatever. Dive in and... You, know, you get all these opportunities to study cool stuff, study the cool stuff. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, do it well. Mm-hmm. So that when you get done, whether you're an art major or an econ major, if you're curious, if you learn how to analyze things, if you learn how to solve problems, work with others, take initiative, do things well, write well, speak clearly, most employers are going to give you a pretty good look. Mm-hmm. That's just a broad-based view of what it takes to get started. So I've heard, um, kind of going off of that, I've heard a lot of people will say, like, people hire people they like. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that statement, or do you think it's maybe more than that? I think it's got to be more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they you have to, in my mind, you have to be impressed by what they bring. Mm-hmm. And that's very different. Um, Likeability is a nice thing. Um, you know, we had this expression at work that when we would hire people, you had to, we worked in an open, uh, open workspace. Mm-hmm. We were there 10, 12 hours a day, pretty intense. You had to be, there had to be people you wanted to work alongside of. Doesn't necessarily mean you had to like them, but we wouldn't, you, you couldn't say, oh, she would be great, but not for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh uh-uh. uh. If she can't work with you, she can't work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you think about, Sitting next to someone 10 to 12 hours a day, I spend far more time with my peers at work than my spouse. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can't, if that doesn't work for you, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So there is some element of likability, but they've got to do, they've got to show you something. How do you think people, is the best way for students to, or young professionals to show that? Well, this gets at the crux of it for me. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, oftentimes, <clears throat> Students don't really sit still enough to say, what do I do well? Mm-hmm. Am I a writer? Am I a speaker? Am I an organizer? Am I a researcher? Mm-hmm. What am I? And where have I displayed that? And so people, oftentimes students talk in generalities about what they've done or the things they've done, but it needs to be concrete. So how have I done it? What are the things I'm good at? And if you don't start with that, you can't impress anybody with 
what you what makes you the one. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to saying I'm organized, sharing a, a specific thing that you've done to make you good at organizing. I'm organized. I took an opportunity at the radio station. I came in and I refiled all the albums mm-hmm. by year and by artist and by genre. Mm-hmm. You know, above and beyond just uh, just alphabetical, perhaps. Yeah. But whatever it is, a little bit extra and prove it. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't tell me you're good at something. Where does it show that you've actually done something? Yeah, experiences. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have to be internships, mm-hmm. right? I think you can work at a gas station. I think you can work at a summer camp if you make an impact. And if you do those things that allow you to show that you can solve problems, work with people, take initiative, be coachable. Yeah. All those things. So do you think that kind of comes with maybe seeing all of the opportunities that one takes, like just having just just having a part-time job, I say that with air quotes because that's a lot, um, with whatever it is to kind of create whatever that job is into skills you can use at the job that you want? Just do the job well. Mm-hmm. Have an impact, right? Because some jobs aren't relevant. Sometimes you need a job to make money. Yeah. And it may not be that flipping burgers applies to becoming an ad executive. Mm-hmm. But when you do well at being doing burgers and you can speed along the line, you can make sure when it's the stressful time at 5.30 at McDonald's, you're making the people go through. Mm-hmm. There'll be times that that's applicable. Mm-hmm. And do that. Yeah. And prove that. And don't worry that, you, oh, I wrote an ad. I wrote a new ditty for at McDonald's. They don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be nice, but that's not what distinguishes you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So I guess I wonder when it comes to doing things like that on a resume, mm-hmm. how would you, what do you think are the best ways to describe those when you have limited space? Right, right. So, so I have this huge thing about that every line has to matter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of students get advice that put everything in there. Yeah. It's your resume. It's your life. There are days you don't like yourself. There's days you did things you regret. You don't need to tell those. Yeah. Now there needs to be some honesty in it. <laughs> but if you did something, you worked at McDonald's, was there a day, was there a moment when you really earned your stripes? Put that on there mm-hmm. and and use the language that describes it as well as you possibly can. There's a wide array of vocabulary to use, people get stuck on. They want to talk about leadership, they want to talk about something they've done, they creative, whatever. Identify what the real thing is and then tell your story. One of the things I tell people is, there should be no line on your resume that you don't light up when they ask you about it. Mm-hmm. If you're ducking something, we had this thing called uh, Stump the Stars. It was an old TV show. And we used to play this game with resumes. We'd find a weakness. And every student would turn green when we found it. Mm-hmm. If you if it's on there, take it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Have it be something you're proud of. Every line. You probably get about 32 lines on a resume. Um, it's important that each one of them as something that's specific and that they can repeat. And if you're telling someone you're organized, mm-hmm. have it show up more than once. Yeah. Right? Have that be a consistent thing. So do you think that putting a title would would speak more than just than maybe saying what you did with it? So if you like if if you if it comes out that you were like a student manager would that would that mean more than than writing all these different kind of like if you if you're short on space, do you think do you think that means something? Ooh, I hate to give half answers. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think 
titles matter when they matter. Mm -hmm. uh, being a vice president means nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, if you were the elected official in your sorority, put that in there. Yeah. Describe sele selected, elected. If you were chosen, say it. You mm -hmm. know, you got to be honest about it, but have it be clear. And I think there's more about what you've done than what your title is. I think there's overemphasis on titles prior to school uh, to work, and I think there's a lot more emphasis on when you're in work. Mm -hmm. People don't care what your title is. They want to know what you can do for them. So similar to a, a major. Right. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> what you do. Yeah. So as long as, would it be, would relevant work help or not really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But only if it's, if you've done that well too. Mm-hmm. Right, so if you are in the advertising major and you want to be in advertising, fantastic. But if you've been lousy at advertising, that doesn't make you better prepared for advertising. Yeah. It makes you prepared to be lousy. Yes. You know? <laughs> so. You're, you're going to be fantastic. We use this ad, the monster.com ad, still one of the great ads of all time. Mm -hmm. I want to be a middle manager. I want to be average, right? That's what all these people were aspiring to. It's yeah. Like, no, go ahead. Make it, make a difference, make an impact, and people will notice. Yeah. So, just how do you? What do you think the best ways to make yourself stand out? Like, it, like, do you think it's joining clubs? Do you think it, it's having a part-time job? Like, do you think that those things, like, I guess, what makes someone stand out to someone when, if they have they put down what they're good at and it's two, you know, it's the people who are have the same kind of language. They're both they both have good examples of being organized. They both have examples of leadership and they're doing that well is there anything mm -hmm. that maybe makes them stand out more I think if you have a robust curriculum in college right being active in and of itself just activity for activity's sake isn't that relevant mm -hmm. I do think that when you do things have an impact mm -hmm. Why did you have the job? If it's a if it's a money making job, say so. Again, there are an awful lot of employers who see highly qualified students who are entitled, mm -hmm. earning a real buck, managing your student loans. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's about responsibility, taking charge of your own life. All these things matter, and so what you do in the context of everything you do mm -hmm. is what matters. If you're not busy and you're not, so again, I don't like a major, I don't care what your extracurriculars are, mm -hmm. but do them. So I would choose a violinist equally to a soccer player. Mm -hmm. Don't care. In fact, I've had an interview with a young man who left off that he was a jazz uh, saxophone player one time because he thought it was a little too cool and it meant, you know, smoking and late nights. I was like, we're in the business of math, solving problems. Do you think that? improvisation and recognizing musical patterns would be helpful to what you do yeah but he was so coached and so uh-oh mm -hmm. you know it's not perfect I said that's not who you are that's a cool thing yeah you know and, and going back to wanting to sit next to that person mm -hmm. I'd want to sit next to that person at work a lot yeah and not talk about work yeah <laughs> you know and that's okay too mm -hmm. right so it's having a rich array of things that you've done that you make a difference that when you're there you're not just following you didn't just join a club, you were involved in the club. You didn't just check the box. There was a business school I used to go to all the time and many students thought it was funny to have on there that they were part of the John Anderson Golf Club. This was this little, I'm sorry, this is a little boys club thing mm -hmm. that these guys put on there. 
And I said, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't do anything. Makes you sound like a dope. Yeah. And it was everywhere. And they thought it was somehow so cool. It didn't distinguish them at all. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, distinguishing you, a line that I see a lot of resumes is the line about um, Excel spreadsheets, mm-hmm. my, uh, Microsoft Word, okay? Let the word go out. Every third grader can use Microsoft <laughs> Word, okay? If you have to put that on there, you don't have enough to talk about, mm-hmm. okay? So all those things, PowerPoint, blah, 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 does it distinguish you? Now, if there's a coding thing or there's a unique, um, you know, app that you really have found that you use a lot for the job you're trying to get into, mm-hmm. then i put it on there. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, you're going to waste a line of your resume to talk about, really, really, PowerPoint, right? Literally, and our third graders are doing this now, yeah. putting together, you know, presentations. And it's all cookie cutter anyway. Yeah. So be careful about that kind of, what I think of as wasted space, error. Yeah. I feel like that was advice that has been passed down, you know, like, That's right. like from, from our parents being like, Oh, like make sure you put, cause, cause I, I didn't know how to use my mom always told me, she's like, I didn't know how to use Excel back when I started. She was a computer science major, first of all. So mm-hmm. yes, you did. But you know, just this kind of like the advice that's been passed down that maybe yeah. is outdated. I think it absolutely is outdated. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got to check yourself on, you know, as things evolve, what is it that you're, you're bringing to it that's unique. Another thing I hear a lot about or that gets left off is language skills. Mm-hmm. And I work a lot with children in the inner city where they oftentimes have a family language. It's, and, and there's, a, this is strange, there's almost an element of shame in it. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a quote unquote American right. or I'm not native to the United States. Yeah, but you have this other cultural influence that you bring into it that's powerful and can be utilized in many ways. Mm-hmm. Just being empathic is one, but also being able to address a part of the market that they may not know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had another student I worked with who had that as part of his resume. He was seeing job opportunities that required five years of experience. It was a user experience job. Mm-hmm. Well, he jumped to the head of the line because of his Spanish. Mm-hmm. It turned out that this major hospital was trying to embark on getting a bigger business around the Latino community in Oakland. They didn't have enough Spanish speakers. So instead of having, he only had one year experience, he went ahead of the people with five years experience because he could speak the language. Yeah, And he was one of those things like, do I put it on there? Do I not? I'm like, what, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's pretty cool. So maybe, I wonder just how someone would know what differentiates them. Because I, f- I feel like that, could, it, se- like, it seems like with these examples, it's, it's things that, you know, that people would be afraid to put on because they don't think it makes them special. Right. But how do you know, I guess, what makes you special? Well, so there's just what you, what you know about yourself. Yeah. And I think having a, taking that hard look at what you have done, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you're a 1.9 GPA, that's kind of who you are. You cannot hide that. Yeah. Okay. You got to own that and figure it out. If you speak five languages, don't neglect that. What does that mean? I've done a lot of things. Have you traveled? Have you gotten there? Why'd you do it? You've got to do a little bit of exploration about yourself first. Okay. <clears throat> and then I think, um, you know, from there, you've got to do some work on what it is that employers look for and care about. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
that's and that's going to get that's so the next part of this discussion if there is yes. to continue is like okay I said earlier they want people that can solve problems work together take initiative be street smart you, know, you name it mm -hmm. these are just sort of commonsensical things that everybody's looking for but almost every company every employer has a distinct culture of its own and I think I use the example of airlines Southwest Airlines and United Airlines United hope no one's listening. Airlines <laughs> is old, stodgy, slow, millions of miles of travelers, business travelers forever. Right? Mm -hmm. Southwest Airlines, get it done, get you there, don't assign a ticket, they throw their peanuts at you, they laugh when they get you on board, they're just trying to move you around. Mm -hmm. It's a cattle car. Yeah. But they know it. People like it. It's friendly. It's upbeat. That's going to be in their culture. If you're snappy, upbeat, and this, that, and the other thing, maybe Southwest would be where you should go instead of United. Mm -hmm. If you want to grow a huge business and, and travel more internationally and do cool things and see how they can increase their market share, okay, go to United. Mm -hmm. But every Coke, Pepsi, Frito-Lay, whatever, they all have distinct things and how they go about their, why'd you pick Grand Valley? Yeah. Right? It's the same thing. Boom, things are breaking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's not why I picked Grand Valley. It just yeah, usually yeah, doesn't yeah. break things. Sorry, sorry. Um, but that same rationale applies when you look for a job. And then you do that work, you then say, oh, they care about this. Mm -hmm. And you can learn a lot. And I'm gonna take my background from Wall Street. I worked at a firm called Lehman Brothers, which subsequently went out of business in 08. Mm -hmm. I love this place. Many people who are of your age would barely know about it if they do. We were bankrupt, largest bankruptcy in the history of the United States. I loved it there. Mm -hmm. We had a culture that I thought was great there. Team-oriented. Uh, we paid on a slightly different scale than others because we didn't pay superstars as well as others. There were other firms that had a superstar culture where they'd pay the big guys, and that's how you created you know, people striving. Bear Stearns was one of those. We, it wouldn't take much to look into it and find out about Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers to know that distinction. And then when you talk to them, does that jive with what they think? This gets complicated. Because yeah. from here you say... You might aspire to work there just because you want to work there, but you still have a choice. And if it's not a place that meets who you are, don't go work there. Yeah. Pick a place that you really feel like you can fit in. There's plenty of choices. And there's this element of desperation sometimes. Please, I'm begging you, don't make desperate choices, right? There are really good places. And I think about the new businesses that are developing. This is another piece. All right, so brand is one. Yeah. Big deal. Size is another. There's a huge thing towards entrepreneurialism. I would tell you, great idea, cool concept. I live in the Bay Area, big deal stuff. If you're a student with $30,000 worth of debt, I'm not sure that it's a sophisticated idea to go ahead and now take a job where you may not stay employed that past three months. Yeah. That's just not smart. If you, going back to this other issue, of if you have to take care of your parents, if you mm -hmm. need to stay in Oakland, then... Don't put yourself out there to go to move to Denver or find jobs that are away from where you can be. Mm -hmm. Be smart about the places you identify and then say to them, I want to work for you partly because I need to look after my parents and they live here in Oakland. Mm -hmm. Do you think they do that as a negative? No. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. And if it is, you don't want to work for them. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's this whole be who you are, figure out what you got, figure out if they're like, if they want people like you, and the fit becomes natural. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get carried away. It's not like falling in love or anything. But right. there is some element of there are matches that make sense. Yeah. Right? And they're not all perfect. 
which leads to the other thing, right? So this idea that the gravity of that first choice, when I was a young man, you oftentimes, that was your job. It was gonna be your job, the gray flannel suit, I'm gonna do it for 35 years. That's not the way it is today. You wanna do a good job and just like the activities you do in college, dive in, make an impact. It may not fit you, do the best you can. Work until the day you stop working. And then say, I'm gonna go try something else. You don't, it's seven to 10 jobs in the course of a lifetime is gonna be far more normal. So you don't, so take that pressure off yourself to make a perfect choice. Mm-hmm. Just make a good choice. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And that shouldn't be, that doesn't mean settling. Mm-hmm. Right? Is there a dis- you know that's the distinction, right? Yeah. Take a good one. Can't be perfect. It's not, it's not marriage, mm-hmm. right? You can walk away, there's no children. <laughs> right, there's nothing really at stake. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. Not the same. Yeah. So that would be the kind of thing. So that requires doing a fair amount of work, both about available data that's on the internet, and if I can extend it one more, is there is a network available to everybody. And this idea that only rich white guys have networks or only this person has a network, no. You've had, if you've had summer jobs, if you've graduated from Grand Valley State, if you've been in the history of being in the radio station, mm-hmm. there's previous DJs, there's other people who are now in today's world findable. Yeah. And and talking to some old guy like me may not be as relevant as talking to somebody who's three years out, five years out. They said they were gonna train you. Did they train you? Mm-hmm. Did you get exposure to things you wanted to do? Uh, you can find this out, okay? So two things happen. You help yourself because you'll now have a better understanding of whether you want to work there. Mm-hmm. And it likely, in the course of your interview, it'll come up. Oh, I called Kelly and she she worked here three years ago. She really loved it. The message is, you did your homework. Mm-hmm. You're taking it seriously. You're a professional. You're getting going. And those things accrue to your benefit when they're thinking about, well, who is really doing, wants to work here? Mm-hmm. And by doing the work, you get more invested, and they hear that, and they're more invested. And that's the kind of thing that would distinguish you, going back to all the students that I was talking to who didn't take two minutes to figure out what distinguished Lehman Brothers from Bear Stearns, how Doug Ireland got where he is versus the guy at the other day at the other desk. Mm-hmm. These things are not hard, and much less hard in the world of the internet and you know networking and LinkedIn, et cetera. Yeah. I wonder if it's it- a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> I I wonder if there if there comes like a fear of utilizing people because I, I I love networking. I think mm-hmm. meeting people mm-hmm. is so great. That's kind of partly why I started the podcast because I get to meet a bunch of people other people don't get to meet. Right. Um, I'm also very and everyone who listens knows this is I'm very uh, competitive. <laughs> so okay. I just I like I like putting myself into situations that maybe are stressful or. Uncomfortable. Yeah, uh-huh. those are my favorite. I love them. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, That's like where I strive. But mm-hmm. I wonder if people have if that fear is in more people to go and just say, "Hi, this. Hi, I'm Kelly. Do you mind if I job shadow with you, or or can you tell me like you know mm-hmm. things like that?" I wonder if that has it if it's always been like that, or if it's more so with this 21st century job market. I guess. I think it's always been like that. Mm-hmm. Psych 101. I took it freshman year of college. <laughs> One of the things they told you about was. When you ask somebody a favor, there's a weird reverse psychology to it. If they respond to your request, they're more likely to do it again. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand, if you handle it well and you say, hey, Kelly, could you help me out? They get satisfaction from helping out. Yeah. You don't, they, it's not, 
I don't owe Kelly anything. Now, should I think about Kelly in the future? <laughs> Absolutely. Should I pay it back? Yes, I should. Mm -hmm. But Kelly gets a, her own positive vibe from it and would like to help you again. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I would argue, don't let that stop you. You're not burdening people. Mm -hmm. Unless you are. Right. Right? If you're a jerk and abuse that opportunity or don't say thank you or don't follow back up, if they've done something for you, that's going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. But the, the mere asking doesn't hurt. You don't wear people out unless you go in and, and then botch it somehow. So long story, I keep you know, calling stories. So I That's fine. First Stories job opportunity. First, a buddy of mine, a high school buddy of mine, we got out of college. Neither one of us had an idea what we were going to do. No idea. <laughs> I said, oh, hey, your dad, doesn't he do something with Time Magazine? I'd like to be a writer, right? So he says, oh, sure, go see my dad. So I don't know anything about it. I know he works at Time Magazine. So I take the train into the city. I go to New York City. I go to his office. I'm like, wow, this guy's got a sweet office. Okay? <laughs> go into his office. Hi, Mr. Davidson. How are you? La, la, la. Said, what do you do? Um, I do this, this, this. I'm the publisher of Time Magazine. <laughs> oh. And, and, he, and I said, geez, I'd love to be a writer. He says, have you written anything? And I said, no. <laughs> I mean, you, you get an opportunity to meet the publisher of Time Magazine. You better have your act together. Yeah. You better make a good impression. You better know why you're in there. This man is extremely busy. Yeah. It was humiliating. He basically tossed me out. He said, look, I saw you because of Andy. That you, That's the stupidest waste of time I've ever seen. Shame on you. Yeah. That was about 43 years ago. <laughs> Horrifying. I'm sure it stuck with you, though. I still feel it. Yeah. It was bad. But had I done it properly and said, gee, Mr. Davidson, I understand you're doing this. Look, this is... I'm just looking to get a start. Where would I start? I've written some pieces. This is what I'm looking at trying mm -hmm. to do. He'd be happy to help, and he'd happily help again. Mm -hmm. But you gotta do the work, and then it, then it's the whole thing sort of works properly. Yeah. I guess. I mean that. I hope. It, that I hope so too. That's how yeah. I've gotten yeah. many of my jobs is just from knowing knowing people and being just doing the good work that they can see. Right. So I feel like. I, I just, I wonder if maybe it's just you, if you don't have the work ethic, then maybe you're just SOL. I mean, you are SOL, okay? I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. You'll find something, but then, then you've got to readjust your standards. Mm -hmm. And there are certain people who think they're more capable than they really are, and they're going to be disappointed. And some of this is about a little bit of a wake-up call. Going back to that student that's a 1-9, or if, you know, if you've really tried hard and that's what you did, that's where you are. Yeah. If you didn't try at all and you think you can do better, start doing it today. Yeah. Right? We used to joke, the other thing we joked about was this this person wants to be the center fielder for the New York Yankees. Okay? At the time, it was like the prestigious job, right? Okay. Can't throw, can't catch, can't hit, can't run, probably can't be. Yeah. You know, as hard as he might try. Mm -hmm. So trying isn't it, right? Doing it. Getting it done. Yeah. Achieving and then achieving a more so that you can then continue to strive. But if you don't strive, you don't earn the right to ask for more. Yeah, I feel like that would also come with knowing what your skill sets are. That's right. You know, if you can't throw, try the violin. Yeah. You know, something. Just find those things that fit who you are. And where do you where do you think people can find those? Like through work experiences or through, like asking people or. Uh, so this is, again, I keep coming back to this reflecting thing. When were you the happiest? Mm -hmm. Where was that? What environment? Indoors, outdoors, with many people, by yourself. All these sort of fundamental things at least give you some clarity. 
How do you do? We had some super smart people that used to work for us. They were so weird, we would want to slide their lunch underneath their doors. <laughs> we didn't want to deal with them, Yeah. but we knew they were going to pump out great information, mm-hmm. right? But that's a very different you know, mentality then. I mean, I realized early on, when I got to the trading floor on a Wall Street investment banking floor, I was so psyched. This is like heaven, right? Because it's just fast-paced, energetic, competitive people, working hard. It was amazing. Yeah. And and I didn't, I didn't have to do one thing at a time. I could jump around. Mm-hmm. That suited the way my brain worked. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know that, but intuitively, when I got to the floor, it was like I was breathing fresh air. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. And then I had to, then I got a job as a manager and had to work in an office. I had people, I just had to bring people in all the time. Sitting by myself, I didn't get anything done. Yeah. You know, so that's what I learned. Do you think bringing up those things that you learn about yourself in an interview would help you? Like I, I learned recently in some reflection and some life things that mm-hmm. I, I'm goal, like I'm goal oriented when I work and yeah. I work the best when I can see more results. Right. Um, so you think that like if discussing, obviously not just out of the blue, I'm a good communicator, I hope. Yeah. So being able to kind of communicate that and say like, I've recently figured out that I work best when X, Y, Z, do you think that would help with a hiring process? Like, I mean, maybe it may not be what they're looking for, but like you said, if there's they're looking for and that's how you work, why work there? There you go. I think that's the risk worth taking. Mm-hmm. I want to have, um, we used to talk about long and short sales cycles in the world of sales, right? Sometimes you can get instant gratification. Sometimes it's a two-year project, and you can come up with nothing. Mm-hmm. That's that would be terribly devastating for a lot of people. Some people love the process. Mm-hmm. I particularly didn't. Right? I'm. I would rather be a short order cook than a, a, a you know than a chef. Yeah. Okay. Because people are happy and they don't have to mess around so much. They just just do it. Yeah. Do it right. So yes, I think it's important to know what it is that you you're good at. Let people know. Does that does my style fit in here? Mm-hmm. Right? And hopefully, right, when the match is correct, they'll find it. They'll find that place. Yeah. So then I also think about, there's a lot of my thoughts. Cause I mean, as a, I'm a student who's going to sure, be graduating yeah. soon, I'm taking it all in. Yeah. But I wonder about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Do you think it really helps to be a good storyteller to interview well? Absolutely. I mean, you just, I talked to a young man this morning. He's been turned down for four jobs at senior, at top-notch firms. And when I got talking to him, I got called in because he needs some help. He doesn't, you know, there's two things. He doesn't tell a good story. He thinks his accomplishments speak for themselves, mm. right? And there's an element which is hard for many people, which is to talk about themselves in a somewhat, it's not humble. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to be, you have to be about yourself. You have to speak up on your behalf. And that's not natural for a lot of people and it's uncomfortable for people. But I told the student this morning, if you don't, no one's going to. Mm-hmm. You're applying for the most challenging jobs there are. You can't leave it to chance that they might discover that you're the diamond in the rough. At least give them an opportunity to find out that you are. Mm-hmm. So he was the captain of his soccer team. I said, why were you chosen? He didn't know. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, let's think about it. Why did you get chosen? Who else was up for it? Mm-hmm. Then he told me a story about one of the other candidates who wouldn't shave his leg to put a tape on an injury because he didn't like the didn't want to have the shaven leg. Right. And he's like, you're putting your that in f- ahead of whether the team can have you on our field. Yeah. That's not leadership. So, 
he, it began to come to light through the story and the reflection that this is what did distinguish him, and he had a legitimate reason to be the captain, and that goes back to, we're looking for leadership. Mm -hmm. So it does weave together. If you take the time and then find the appropriate way to say it, and you can, you can be cocky. Yeah. That works at some places. Doesn't at other places. That's where you're going to find your, find your balance. And do your research before. Yeah. Would help. Yeah. Yeah. Again, another story. This young man I interviewed years ago. He was a lacrosse player. Played defense. I like to ask him. Tell me what you contributed to the team. Mm -hmm. I was a defender. What did, What did you like about the game the best? I love to score. He says to me. Is that odd to you at all? Yeah, I don't know much about sports, but I do know that defenders don't, don't score. score. Right. So it led to the obvious question. Oh, really? How does that work out? Yeah. Well, I'd get the ball when I could. I'd run up and I'd try to score a goal. And my first reaction was, what did your other defenders think about that? Mm -hmm. right? You basically abandoned your post. And he said, well, you know, when I scored, it was fine. And right, I just said, okay, guess what? I'm not hiring you. It's like, yeah, buzzer went off. That's not a team guy. Yeah, that's a glory guy. Mm -hmm. Don't need glory guys. And he was mortified. He's like, no, I was really good. I'm like, uh, uh, you revealed some character about yourself that doesn't jive with our character. Yeah. So, you know, that cockiness can be great. I was the lead scorer on my team. Where'd you play? Center forward, where you're supposed to score goals. Yeah. Okay. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Right? Makes sense. You did your job. Mm -hmm. Right. Think about a goal. The obvious answer is the goaltender who wants to score goals. You're in the wrong job, man. Yeah. That kind of thing. So we talked a little bit about, like, you need to be in the business of self-branding mm -hmm. um, before the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are your opinions on that, on being in, in majoring in self-branding? I, I, I recoil at the notion of self-branding. Mm -hmm. I want you to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Being aware of your brand, to me, it smacks of, there's, it's, there's an intentionality around that that doesn't feel genuine to me mm -hmm. or authentic to me. And so it, it may work and I get what it could be. To me, I really, it's the same reason why I don't want you to pick econ, right? If you want to study Guatemalan history, go study that. Yeah. And if you then want to be an economist, tell them you're one of the greatest researchers in Guatemalan history there ever was, <laughs> yeah. and you can apply that to econ. Yeah. But don't, you know, this branding and picking the right thing to do, mm -hmm. managing your resume. Ooh, I really need to add this, so I'm going to run for secretary of my sorority so I've shown leadership. No. Be a sorority sister and be a leader and, have, and say, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. And have that come through. Mm -hmm. That's authentic. That may add to your brand, but you're not self-branding. You're not creating a fake brand That's just right. to sound like you are this ideal person. And you're really thoughtful and you've done all this stuff. It just feels manipulative to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I know that that may be different than, you know, some folks, but that's... Yeah. it's an, I mean, it's it's a different way of looking at self-branding. So I feel like I'm told all the time, like, like what, like, like you need to create your, like your brand. You need to create, mm -hmm. create your brand. And it's like, I... I am my brand. I am created already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been created for twenty one years. Like I did it. Yeah. And I, yeah, and, yeah. and I and I wonder if maybe people mean reflect on yourself and figure out what it means, but then this it also gets misconstrued as create create a self that you're gonna show to businesses versus the self you're going to be. Right? Right. That that second part sounds horrible to me. Mm -hmm. Because then you don't know what happens. What happens when those things cross over? Yeah. 
and in the life I was in in my old job, personal and professional, went over all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, the minute some child or an employee of yours gets sick and now you're visiting them in the hospital and they're having to miss work and it's, it's all one big mush and you've got to be who you are in and out of work, at least I think you do, yeah. for the authenticity and the genuineness that comes with just being a good person. Yeah. And, and it, you know, I don't know, there's, I'm sure there's some karmic word for it, but whatever <laughs> that is, yeah, that would be, that's sort of my take on it. Yeah. I do, I do wonder then also, you know, this, the, people talk about like a work-life that you have your work life and you have your life life. So mm-hmm. your work life balance. Mm-hmm. And the balance is important. But I, I wonder if people, you know, they maybe they turn off when it's five o'clock and, and I'm done with my work and now I'm going to go out and be someone different than I am at work. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that hurts people. I, when I, I've worked in, with mostly small companies, I, I worked with a big company over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I had a smaller team, but a large company. Mm-hmm. And my team was very close. And mm-hmm. we did a lot of things together and we, and we had a lot of fun working. Like, I don't think I've had more fun with a team in a corporate setting in my whole entire life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think about they're the same people now that I don't work there. They still talk to me the same, the same as I would if I was working there. Mm-hmm. Or, and I, when I see them on social media, when I see them out at a bar, like we, they're the exact same, which makes me think they're more genuine in their work also. I think that's right. Yeah. Some of this comes back to what we talked about, the having these long careers mm-hmm. where you're in one place. Because you don't have that constraint anymore, you can find that place. Because I, And I think that should be the goal. Mm-hmm. As much as money-making is part of having a job, fulfillment should be an equal part of the job. And if you have to bifurcate your fulfilling this professionally and your fulfilling this personally, it just gets harder. Yeah. And I think it's it's maybe it's an ideal, but it's absolutely something to strive for. Yeah. And um, we used to also say... Don't ever do anything at work that you wouldn't want to tell your mother. Yeah. Right? Don't be that person. Right? Don't act that way there and not be that way all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just things like that to me really make, make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that there are times when historically it might have hurt you to bring your personal life to the job. Yeah. Right? And this has been particularly true. I've gone through the stages of you know, women being pregnant at work, and that was, uh-oh, she's pregnant. Yeah, right? mommy tracks, yes. So that whole thing, right? So that was a, but that wasn't an ideal time. That was a bad time, and we're hopefully working through that time. It, and we're, you know, during the interview process, they're not allowed to ask you about these personal things, but it's going to come up, mm-hmm. right? And when it does, you want to be able to be genuine about, here's my situation, mm-hmm. right? I'm taking care of a loved one. I've got a loved one. I've got these needs. They, I will do the work. I may need to miss some time at work, but there has to be an understanding. And so that weaving together, if you don't have that, mm-hmm. it's really hard to keep separate. Mm-hmm. And as we care for our children and as we care for our parents and the age I am now, it's it's a lot to yeah. balance. So I think it's really hard to try to compartmentalize our lives, right? Yeah. I do definitely. I, I study women and gender studies mm-hmm. also. So I know a lot about the different work societal situations where mm-hmm. there has to be you know sometimes it's societally that men aren't aren't supposed to even share about their families so right. how do you, but then it's like how do you take care of them unless right. you're open and so there's a lot about that that I 
have an opinion on, which anyone, again, who knows me knows I have opinions on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I definitely think that maybe then that just, that just comes with being authentic. I mean, that's what you got to hope for. Mm-hmm. And if the places you end up working don't share that thing for you, then I think that's a really big question. And it's happened, again, during my lifetime, whether, you know, we've been in San Francisco where the gay movement was really powerful. We had many men who were really sick, you know, in the, in the late 80s. It was troubling. Mm-hmm. And many people were having to care for those people. And, and women on maternity leave and equal pay and equal hours and fair bonuses and all these things that I think we're getting better at. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a ways to go, right? If we're still talking about what a 15 cent do- dollar differential in terms of male and female pay, yes. comparable jobs, that's a, that's a joke. Mm-hmm. So there's work to do, right? I'm describing some ideal situation. What's yeah. the perfect job? What's the perfect life? What's the perfect company? But here you are, and I come back to when you first, when you were in high school and you thought about where you want to go to college, what was it? And some of it was practical, some of it was aspirational, Mm -hmm. but it's that same process. Yeah. Um, And it just has higher stakes because it's just you now. Mm -hmm. You know? And sure, you can ask people, but it's your life you're tracking now. Yeah. So that's sort of. Anyway. No, I think think it's just the right amount. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Do you have any parting advice or, or things that you want? young professional students to really take away if they're for some reason not coming to the pop-up pedagogy, which they should all be going. I'll be there. But, yeah. but, you know. I guess I wouldn't let this whole job process intimidate you. Mm-hmm. If you go about things professionally, if you're thoughtful, and if you prepare, you'll be fine. Right? If you're, if you're living at home for a couple months, it's not the worst thing. If you've got student debts, You'll get through it. Mm-hmm. Right? But just don't panic. Life is long, right? And I, I'm trying to figure out. So I retired a couple of years ago. I'm 60 years old. I'm going to live another 30 years. I'm trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with myself. If I'm you guys mm-hmm. embarking on your first job, thinking you're going to have to be with that job forever, that could be 70 years. Yeah. Okay. Forget that. Put that away. It's not <laughs> happening, right? You yeah. want that burden? I hope not. Right? It's crazy. You'd be you'd be nuts. Yeah. So it's just take a deep breath, do the work, be ready, and you'll do fine. I'm gonna so. I'm gonna title this episode "Don't Panic." Don't panic. <laughs> Good, I like it. Anyway, that's great. Thanks. Thank you so much for being uh-huh. here, Doug. I can't wait. See you. Thanks for listening to PR Hangover. If you want more PR news like this, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gv_prssa. Talk to you soon.